You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenovic on Bloomberg Radio. We know we've talked about this a lot on our broadcast about one of the hardest hit industries by the health pandemic, and that is hospitality, restaurants, bars, restaurants in particular. Someone who has been rescuing some of the most troubled businesses over the years is John Taffer, host and executive producer of Bar Rescue. Yes, uh, you know him well, and he joins us once again back on Bloomberg Business Week, and he joins us on the phone from uh, Las Vegas. John, how are you? I hope you're doing well. I'm doing just fine, Kyle. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, great to have you here. We just had on um, a guest in the commercial real estate space, and we were specifically really talking about and focusing on what's going on here in New York City. Uh, We know the restaurant space, especially in major cities, especially in New York, they're really under a lot of pressure. And he's really wondering, you know, what happens on the other side? A restaurant that slows down is, you know, it's slow to see another one reopen. Um, I do want to get into specifically what you're doing with your Taffer's Tavern, but Give us the big picture. You talk to business owners all the time. You see what's happening. You've seen other cycles. How does it feel where we are right now? Well, it's it's obviously uh, uh, we're all been greatly wounded, mm. and the issue becomes resources. Carol, I mean, do we spend resources now while the market is sort of dysfunctional? Uh, and then we don't have the resources to expend when the market comes back. Or do we hold resources now so we have them when the market comes back? You know, it, it's a difficult choice for operators. And the longer we sustain in this, I call it a dysfunctional market, which is worse than a disrupted market, mm-hmm. the longer we sustain in this, the greater the debt load and the greater percentages percentage of restaurants that we lose or uh, uh, you know they're going to have to face that landlord and there's going to have to be a renegotiation if there's no stimulus package and certainly landlords are going to have to be aggressive in, in retaining some of these tenants but there's another side to this carol if i will yeah please. and that is you know we have the vaccines hitting within call it five to six weeks uh, even according to dr fauci we have 700 million uh, by april one hitting so let's take a look at the spring for a moment mm-hmm. restaurant capacity will be down for sure, right? We're going to lose 30, 40% of independent restaurants. So capacity will be down. And I suggest that the next thing people are going to do after they get the vaccine is go to dinner. (laughs) So I see a great market opportunity this spring post vaccine. And I see a much lower industry capacity. So dare I say, I sense boomtown. And I sense that landlords who are aggressive now mm-hmm. in protecting their tenants and bringing in some new ones, all right, in, in key locations, will be postured to take advantage of the boom town that we see coming this spring. Well, that's exactly what we were talking about with our last guest, Pierre DeBoss of Romer DeBoss. I mean, they have been renegotiating or working with uh, landlords, working with, especially when it comes to re- retail or restaurant space, basically saying, give us 10%, I think, of you know your gross revenues or something for the month. And that's how we'll, we'll kind of get through this period. Um, so it kind of is, John, you know, we at Bloomberg, we talk about what kind of recovery, K-shaped, W-shaped, yeah. V-shaped. It sounds like what you're saying is you're setting up or anticipating that come spring, when we do see the vaccine being used more broadly, that we could see a big recovery because there will be people, pent-up demand, who just want to get out and use restaurants. So for those that survived, it could be a really good market environment. It could be a great market environment. But one of the issues is, Kyle, people are going to lose some guest loyalty because they haven't Mm. really been interacting with their marketplace in some cases for eight months or so. So, you know, I caution restaurant operators to think of this as a launch, not a reopen. So they have to reposition their brands. They have to reignite brand awareness. They should really think of this as a reopening. 
And that's where we get back to what we started with, which means retain some of your resources now so that you have them to, to position yourself for success uh, in, in just a few months. John, one of the things, and man, I've, you know, I've been watched, binged watched on your show. I mean, some of these businesses, though, they're already losing money or they're just slim margins. It's a hard, hard business. How many people do have resources kind of on the sideline, a little bit of a safety net? Because from I feel like from my conversations, there's not a lot that do. No, there isn't a lot that does. And, you know, typical margins, Carol, could be between 8 and 12 percent mm-hmm. of revenue. Occupancy, rent, is typically about 10% of revenue if the numbers work. So, so, so uh, and if an operation does $300 a foot, then a rent would be about $30 a foot. When those ratios get out of whack and a rent becomes 20, 30, 40, 50%, which is what's happening now with the right. revenue reduction, it's unmanageable. And the landlord understands that. And it's interesting because what you said earlier is the solution, and it's to get rid of the base rent and negotiate percentage rents. So that in the low end, the, the, uh, the tenant is protected. In the high end, the landlord is rewarded. And that's a formula that really makes sense when we sit down. And percentages can have plateaus, right? Yeah. At certain levels, they can go up, they can go down, and they right. can be very creative. But that's a really logical and quick solution for a landlord and tenants right now. So, John, tell us about what you guys are doing with Taffer's Tavern. And you've actually had some of these, or I think is it one open up already for some training. So tell us what the concept is and how it's going. You know, it's interesting, Kyle. We started creating this two years ago when there was no labor available. And I started by by looking at our labor model. At the time, there was no labor available. There was the biggest problem in the restaurant industry. We were looking at $15 minimum wages. And in many cases, uh, 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 candidates for jobs were new Americans, and there were language barriers. So Mm -hmm. I said, the casual dining model cannot sustain itself this way. We couldn't staff the kitchens. So we went on a quest two years ago to reinvent food service with robotics and computerized cooking systems Hmm. and to completely reinvent the kitchen. And our purpose was to create back-of-house labor costs at 50% of the industry norm and replacing it with technology. So we then worked for two years in test kitchens and with uh, great technology partners uh, uh, in equipment technology partners, transactional technology partners uh, like Shift4 and Middleby and companies like that. And we reinvented the, the restaurant model and created a product quality that's, that's incredibly consistent because it's all done by computer. So now we opened our first one in Alpharetta, Georgia. We've sold uh, almost 20 franchises around the country. Wow. We're opening in Boston and Washington, D.C. It's kind of upscale, right? I've, I've seen some images and I've, you know, like what's the market you're but going after? So we're going, it's a franchise. Yeah. And we're going, you know, middle market. A middle it's market. a very, very nice upscale yeah. environment at a, at a mid-scale price point. But it's interesting, Carol, because it reconnects to what we were talking about earlier about the landlord situation. Mm-hmm. We've been selling franchises. And you'd think during a pandemic you wouldn't be selling restaurant franchises right now. It'd be a logical <laughs> assumption. Right. But sophisticated operators are buying franchises because they're saying right now there's an opportunity to get great sites across America that are being lost. Well, so ha- that is a, so yeah. they're looking to uh, to obtain great landmark locations due to the turnover of the right. pandemic. Right. It's an op- it's funny because well it's not funny because I hate to see anybody, you know, kind of struggle through this environment, but you know, 
there are opportunities that are created. We always see it, you know, at any market when there's distress, there are investors or, you know, entrepreneurs who can figure out some opportunities. What I want to understand is tell me how it all works. So is it all technology or limited kitchen staff? How does it work? It's a limited kitchen staff, but okay. they're operating equipment. They're not handling food. So because of that, when we were when we were finished about a year ago, we realized, holy cow, when COVID hit, right. we had the safest kitchen in America because we, we're completely contactless. Uh, uh, so we put in unbelievable technologies that you put your hands under. It scans your hands. And if there's any viral or bacterial content on your hands, you're sent back to wash again. We put in unbelievable transaction technology. And we compartmentalized the business to make certain each compartment was safe. And, you know, it's not only for COVID. Yeah. You know, next year we're going to have another flu. Yeah. When somebody sneezes in an inside room after this, people are going to look at them with scorn. You know, coughing in an inside in a movie theater, forget about it. So this is an environment today that people are going to continue a sensitivity I think, to keeping healthy environments uh, long after COVID. That is just fascinating. So you've got it in Atlanta. Tell me, and you said you're selling franchises, and you said, did you sell, yeah. you said you sold about 20? Yeah, so we, we sell territories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we sell markets of five units, obviously to very qualified investment groups and operators. And we have now the uh, Boston franchisee and the Washington franchisee. I say this with a smile on my face. <laughs> They're racing to be number two, <laughs> which is, which is terrific. And they're finding that there are great locations out there and sophisticated operators uh, uh, are reacting. You know, it's almost like a forest fire, Carol. Mm-hmm. You know, the, everything burns down, but then you see the little green buds pop up, right? And, yeah. and it's sort of the evolutionary process. And for many restaurant operators, keep in mind, the bars are there, the kitchens are there. So it's more of a retrofit than a complete construction project. So there's opportunities for restaurateurs to go into pre-built out spaces right. uh, and just remodel them, uh, which reduces well, the opening cost, heck, by 50, 60 percent. John, listen, one of the things I love you know, watching when you're doing your show is, you know, you're sitting down, you're looking at the, you know, understanding the finance, the, the business part of like how you run it. I mean, and often you come into a situation or scenario where people are losing tons of money and that's obviously not a sustainable uh, way of running a business. What I'm wondering, too, when you look at the financial equation of increasing the technology, reducing to some extent, right, labor, or not to some extent, yep. you are reducing yep. labor. So what's the yep. financial model? What, how does all of this impact the margins of running a restaurant? It increases margins by about 12 to 14 percent, which in, in very many cases can be a 100 percent increase in margins. Yeah. Uh, the the wow. biggest expense we have is labor cost in the industry, right. which will run typically 30, 35 percent. Our second biggest expense is food costs, which can also run 30%. If you think about it, Kyle, that's 65% cost before I even paid for rent, utilities, insurance, maintenance, any of those other things. So that's where the, the, the costs get eaten up the most in those two big ones, food costs and labor costs. Yeah. It's just in fast, It's just kind of interesting to see. And I find it interesting that you were doing this two years ago because of labor shortages. Yes, and it's interesting how the model worked out. So by reducing human involvement in the kitchen, we created a really safe environment, which was a consequence of our work. But this was really a labor of necessity, we thought, at the time. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Do you feel like a year from now things will be significantly different in this space? I do. 
you know, it, it depends upon some of it upon government actions, upon how quickly this happens. Yeah. About three weeks ago, I interviewed President Trump for the hospitality industry, and we talked about four key programs. And I was hoping it would happen after the election, uh, even before the inauguration, but <clears throat> apparently it's not. And, of course, the PPP program was discussed with about six months of debt relief in it. Yeah. That would be a big deal. There's an employee retention tax credit that now affects a very few types of restaurants. Uh, there was a commitment to broaden the scope of that, which is significant. And then President Trump, and I'm not sure about uh, of, uh, uh, President-elect Biden's position mm -hmm. on domestic travel incentives. But if they proceed with domestic travel incentives, the right PPP plan, and they look at employee retention tax be a real plan, help, right? I think, yeah, I think the PPP digs us out and the other programs will get us going. All right. Can I leave it on that note? Good luck, John. Nice to check in with you. John Taff, our host and executive producer, Bar Rescue, on the phone from Las Vegas. Vegas.